Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Let us bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, You are a holy, holy, holy God. Lord, I pray that we never forget that every moral attribute that comes from you is founded on your holiness. Thank you for what you have done on the cross for our sins. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing the series all about the future. And I'm relieved to be reminded, even despite my own sinfulness, that it's all about the future. I can tell you firsthand how many times recently it's kind of a blow to the ego when you preach about it all being about the future and get to share how awesome it is that our God deals in futures and yet you find yourself, personally speaking, dealing with the past. Because that's exactly where Satan wants us. He wants us to be dealing with the past, the guilt, and the shame. But listen, I can't be reminded enough that it is all about the future. That is our hope. Our hope is not this life. Our hope is in our life to come. Today is Veterans Day. Thank you for your service, those of you who are veterans here this morning. What do we call a veteran or a service man or woman while they're in uniform? What do we usually say to them? How do we address them? If we see somebody out in public in their uniform, we usually say, thank you for your service. Some of you may remember the story of Pat Tillman. Tillman played college football at the University of Arizona State prior to playing professionally for the Arizona Cardinals. See, Tillman was in the middle of a $3.9 million contract. $3.9 million. And that's in 2000, 2001 money. Adjust that for some inflation. It doesn't matter. We're talking millions, right? He's right in the middle of this contract, and then something happens. What happens? 9-11. Two planes go into the Twin Towers in New York City and take those buildings down. Now, Pat Tillman, in the midst of being an NFL star, being paid millions of dollars to do his job, he decided to give it all up. Tillman felt compelled to serve his country. See, Tillman's an amazing American hero for a reason. Not just because he gave up $3.9 million, but it's because he gave up his life in Afghanistan, April 22nd, 2004. 
serving His country, rising to the occasion. So we need to be asking ourselves a question this morning. You need to ask yourself a question personally. Do you feel compelled to serve? Now some of you are thinking, wait, hold on, I'm I'm way past service age in the U.S. military. Or maybe I already did my time. We're not talking about the U.S. military here. Do you feel compelled to serve this church? That is the question we need to ask ourselves. See, we've been gifted to serve the Lord. We've been gifted to serve the Lord. Are you ready to utilize your gifts given to you by the Holy Spirit in order to serve others? And the title for our sermon this morning is this, Gifted to Serve. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Last week we learned that we are successful in our suffering when our goal is to display grace to others. We recognize that we can display grace to others by honoring Jesus Christ among the company that we keep. And we realize that we better be keeping company with non-believers. And with that being said, we now know that we should be keeping that company for what purpose? For the purpose of sharing the gospel message, the good news of salvation. Because how else will God save others through Jesus Christ if we don't share His good news? Today we're going to be focusing on serving each other. So please join me in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. If you have your Bibles with you, please open up and read along with us. If not, it will be on the screen for you. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength of God, supplies in order that in everything... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. We want to put these verses into one sentence. And that sentence is this. God is glorified in these last days when we lovingly serve one another. God is glorified in these last days when we lovingly serve one another. We're asking a question then. How can we serve in love? If we know that this sentence is true, then how can we serve in love? We can serve in love by using our special spiritual gift or gifts graciously given. By using our special Spiritual gifts graciously given. The question then for us as we look at this text this morning is this. Are we in the last days? Is the end of the world coming? Is the world coming to an end? Is everything seeming to unravel? 
Do things seem like they're getting better? I think we go back to why Pat Tillman served and we would say to ourselves, no. Things are not getting better. So is the world in its last days? Let's look again at verses 7 through 9. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keeping loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. The end of all things is at hand. This is an indication of two things. First, everything pertaining to God's redemption has come to a completion. Everything pertaining to God's redemption has been completed. Now, what does that exactly mean? See, what that means is this. Every event that needed to take place in order for us to be saved from our sin has taken place, completed, done. We can now hope in our future life to come. Secondly, we're now awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. So in the meantime, what are we going to do? If we're here now waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? Share the good news with others. That's what we are going to do. What is the good news? We will never stop defining what the good news is. The good news is the gospel. The good news of salvation for hell-deserving sinners through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Those are the words of Milton Vincent. Villa's Grace, we want to be a church that's all about just doing that. Don't only do this with those who don't know Jesus. We need to remind each other of the good news. The good news isn't just for those who do not know Jesus Christ. The good news is for those who already have a saving faith in Jesus. You need to remind me of the good news. I need to remind you of the good news. We need to be living every moment of every day like it's the end of all things is at hand. So how are we going to accomplish this? Quite clearly in these verses, we know that we're going to accomplish this through self-control, sobriety, and prayer. Sometimes self-control is desired in hindsight. Trust me, I know from experience. Some of you have dealt with me this last year and have realized that I desire and seek self-control in hindsight, going back and saying, man, I should have had some more self-control when I approached that situation. See, we cannot allow our emotions to get the best of us. That's what's really being said here. The motivation behind emotions is actually narrow-sighted. An emotionally motivated person cannot see beyond this life. However, self-control is to look through the lens of the eternal perspective. When we have self-control, we can look through the lens that sees off into the future. So what are we to do when we find ourselves being motivated by our emotions then? 
when we see ourselves becoming emotionally charged. See, I'm learning. I'm learning to ask myself, what does the rest of eternity say about this situation that I'm getting so emotional about? Will I be as emotionally charged about this situation the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, the next decade, the next century? Is it really worth it? Now, of course, this is only possible through sobriety. When we hear the word sobriety, we we think it has to do with alcohol and drugs. Abstinence from alcohol. Abstinence from doing drugs. But here in the text, when it says to be sober-minded, it really means to be abstinent from the intoxication of human passions, which could include alcohol and drugs, but it's not limited to just alcohol and drugs. See, there are two wrong ways one could go about this abstinence. First, you could sit around and do absolutely nothing waiting for Jesus to return. Have no passions, have no desires, have no interests in life. However, passions, desires, and interests are actually a good thing. It's okay to have some passions and desires and interests in life. It's all about how do you approach them. See, God may use your passions, desires, and interests to connect you with other like-minded people. And why do you think he would do something like that? Maybe so you could share the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ with them? Maybe your interests and your passions and your desires is what God is using to bring you around other people so you can be the messenger of this good news. So we don't want to just sit around and do nothing. It's okay to have passions, interests, and desires that seem like they have nothing to do with the church. But I challenge you, every passion, desire, and interest that you have has everything to do with the church. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter where it takes you because wherever it is and wherever it takes you, you're taking the good news with you. The second wrong way to pursue being sober-minded would be to become intoxicated with your passions and desires and interests. So if we're attempting to live every moment of every day like the end of all things is actually at hand, and we know that this is, A, achieved by not being motivated by our emotions, and B, not becoming intoxicated by our passions, desires, and interests, then we know A and B have something to do with C. See, don't forget the third element of living like the end of all things is at hand. That third element is found here in the text. That word right there, it's a verb, it's an action word. It says prayer. We cannot effectively pray if we are emotionally charged and passionately intoxicated, can we? This will leave us confused as what to actually pray for. Then we cannot do what verse 8 is actually calling us to do. Look where it says, above all things, or above all, keep loving one another earnestly. How can you effectively love someone else if you're hypersensitive to your emotions? How can you effectively love someone else if you're intoxicated with your passions, desires, and interests? 
Pursue your passions, desires, and interests by being motivated to love others. Use your passions, desires, and interests as a vehicle, as an avenue, as a road for you to love others. But don't love them so much that you're so consumed in them because the only thing you want to do is practice self-love. Practice your interests, your desires, and your passions as a way to be put in a position to love other people. Why is this so important? Why? What does the text tell us this morning? It's important because look where it says right there, love covers what? A multitude of sins. Do you recognize what we're being encouraged to do? What we're actually being encouraged to do is this. We're being encouraged to be gracious towards other people's sin. I know that's hard to do. We're being asked to show a little bit more grace when people show a lot more sin. Be ready to forgive at all times under all circumstances. See, when we're motivated by our emotions, that's basically what it isn't all about, is it? We don't want to show grace. We just want to love ourselves. When we're intoxicated by our passions, interests, and desires, it's all about us. Our emotions, we can make all about us. And we need to remember, Jesus did not make it all about him. He made it all about the Father, which in turn made it all about you. So how can we even forgive others when we cannot look past ourselves? We can't. Because ultimately, we want to show, what does it say? Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That one's tough. Especially when you live in Florida and family visits. I mean, when the mother-in-law comes for a week, without grumbling. No grumbling. Like it. Like it and lump it. Church. These words of truth, these words of truth were written for a reason. These words of truth were written for a reason. And that reason is is so well described by a commentator named Marshall. I'm going to read you what he wrote. In the church where there is a lack of love and common purpose, and where the spiritual lifeline to God is broken. The forces of opposition will weaken and eventually destroy the church. In these verses, Peter emphasizes how crucial it is that the local church be strong in fellowship with firm links of life and loyalty between the members and between the members and God. These words of truth were written for a reason, which is why we're saying this this morning. God is glorified in these last days when we lovingly serve one another. That's why we're asking this question. How can we serve in love? We can serve in love by using our special spiritual gifts graciously given. Tony Evans illustrates this well when he, when he says this, Cancer is one of the debilitating, most debilitating diseases of our day. See, cancer 
And cancer cells are really just marching to the beat of their own drum within the human body. Let's face it. They break away from normal cells. The problem is they don't leave the body. It'd be one thing if cancer cells would break away, march to the beat of their own drum outside the body, but they don't. Cancer cells break away, march to the beat of their own drum, and remain in the human body. Why do they remain in the human body? Well, they still need blood. They still need to eat. They need oxygen. They need the essentials in order to grow. They only want to consume from the body, though. That's the problem. They don't want to contribute to the body. See, they only want the benefits, but don't want to pitch in. This, unfortunately, is like the church. There are cells of people within the church too. They want the benefits but don't want to contribute. They just want to show up and put their dollar in the plate. What do I mean by that? They only want good music for worship. They only want to hear good sermons. Or maybe they don't even want good sermons and good music. They just want the sermon that they want. They just want the music that they want. If you look around Villa's Grace this morning, demographically, age-wise, vast array of ages, young, toddler age children, all the way up to, let's help everybody out here. Nobody's over 80, right? <laughs> Thank you. We're all different. Different colors, socioeconomic backgrounds. Do you think we're all going to want the same thing? Do you think we're all going to be satisfied by the same type of music? We can't just consume. We're not here just to consume. And just so you know, everything that happens here isn't happening because it's what I want to have happen. Everything that's happening here is happening because God is calling us to do certain things. We all have to contribute. For some people, it's just the children's program. It's not good enough. It's not enough to snuff, so they're going to go somewhere else. Or maybe it's too good and they can't control it. It doesn't matter. We're not here to consume. See, some people come to church consuming from the benefits without contributing to their stability and longevity. That's what we're all about right now. Here at Villa's Grace, we're willing to eradicate cancer cells in order to do what God has called us to do. And I hate to say this, and I know that this sounds awful, and some of you are going to hear this and you're going to be like, did the pastor just say that? I'm okay with losing people at this church if those people are preventing us from sharing the good news. If God removes people from this ministry in order to grow this ministry so we're more effective in reaching our community for the sake of the gospel, I'm all for it. Because I'm not here because of me. And I hope you're not here because of you. I hope that you're here from what you're hearing here in the text today because you want to serve. 
He has definitely not called us to make this all about us, but rather he has called us to be all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Every one of us, every last one of us here this morning, no matter what your sex is, no matter what your age is, skin color, socioeconomic background, have been gifted. You have been gifted by the Holy Spirit to serve. What do we see in verses 10 and 11? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever Amen. Every believer in the atoning death of Jesus Christ has been given a spiritual gift or gifts. Your gift has been given to you in order for you to serve in the church. Spiritual gifts are not given for self-advancement. Spiritual gifts are given for the advancement of the church, not self And when the local church advances and moves forward, the gospel spreads. We move forward together. In the famous words of Miss Hallie, go team. Just this last Thursday, we had a little boy trust in Jesus Christ right here at Villas Elementary School. Little Julian, you should have seen this young man. We always start off with a bathroom break first. We learned, we learned that lesson the hard way the first session, the first week. And then we have snack time. And this little Julian, this little Julian, you should have seen him. He's eating his organic Hope Bottom. She's all about her organic stuff. Organic like animal crackers. I don't even know if that makes sense. And all of a sudden, some of his buddies come out, single file line out of this other program that they were involved in. They're like, Julian. He's like, hey, Peter. Oh, hey, Mike. And he's yelling all of their names. And they're like, Julian, what are you doing? And he's sitting there so excited. He goes, I'm, I'm eating snacks with the Good News Club. I'm eating snacks. He was so excited to be part of this Good News Club after school. And then later, there's always a gospel call, presentation, and then one of us counsels whoever raises their hand, whoever wants to receive Jesus. Julian was one of those people. He came to know the Lord. And why did this happen? Why did this happen last Thursday at Villa's Elementary School? See, it happened because the people here at Villa's Grace are using their spiritual gifts to do what does it say here in the text? To serve one another. Now, not all of us can go over into the school But serving here at the church supports those who do. You are part of what is happening there. And we can never forget that we've been gifted to serve one another to begin with. Some of you may be asking this question. And it's fair to be asking this question. What are the various spiritual gifts? I'm going to give you a quick list from two books of the Bible. Romans and 1 Corinthians. In Romans we see this. Exhortation. That is a gift. Giving is a gift. Leadership is a gift. Mercy is a gift. Prophecy, teaching. 
Those are gifts from Romans. In 1 Corinthians, we see administration, discernment, faith, healings, knowledge, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues. See, some of these gifts no longer are in service. Others still are. Any one individual can have any one or multiple spiritual gifts. These are spiritual gifts, not natural talents and skill sets. We can't get those two things twisted. It's not about your talents. It's not about your skill set. It's about your gifts given. You can use your natural talents and skill set outside the church and be successful. But if you're using those in the church and trying to be successful, you will not be successful. You will only be successful if you use your spiritual gifts to serve one another. So now, you're probably asking, how do I know which one of these gifts do I have? I'm not so sure which one of these spiritual gifts I have. See, for example, you might want to ask yourself this question. What are my passions, desires, and interests, right? What are my passions, desires, and interests? What has the Lord made me passionate about? What has He given me a desire to do? What has He given me an interest in? And I'm going to give you some examples. You might have experience, past experience, in administration. You may have had a job or have a job currently where you are an administrator. You can serve in the church using your gifts to serve others through your experience as an administrator. You may have a desire and a passion and an interest to play music. You can serve in the church playing music. God can use interests And coincide these with your spiritual gifts so you can serve one another. For me personally, I had an opportunity at a young age to work in radio. I don't know what the guy was thinking, the manager of the radio station, but he gave an 18-year-old kid his own show. That was a big mistake. But he allowed me to fail along the way. But I hit a point where I realized I'm not speaking publicly anymore unless I'm preaching the gospel. Because what good is it anyway? But looking back, the Lord used the skill set that I was able to develop over the years and now be able to preach and teach the gospel. I don't know what it is for you, but I see a lot of awesome people in this church, a lot of talented people in this church A lot of people in this church who have developed a lot of skills over the years. Who so happen to be believers in Jesus and now have spiritual gifts that they can use to serve in this church. That's what it's all about. The other thing is each gift needs to be confirmed by other believers and leaders within the church. You don't want to just deem yourself gifted in this area. Somebody else needs to confirm that. We want a non-gifted teacher teaching. One of the things that I did after going through seminary and feeling like there was a strong calling to have a pulpit ministry, to not do all the preaching and teaching, obviously we throw a bone to Jared, Pastor Jared, every once in a while, just to keep him happy. No, I'm joking. In fact, if you want to know my heart, my, my, my heart is to have him up here preaching more often. But when I came out of seminary, I wanted that gift confirmed. I used to record sermons and send them off to pastors that I respected and said, listen to this, tell me what you think. And when I heard that 
you need to keep doing what you're doing, then I knew I needed to keep doing what I'm doing. We have to have our spiritual gifts confirmed. So church, what's your spiritual gift and what are you going to do about using it to serve this church locally here at Villa's Grace? Think about these spiritual gifts. Think about how you've been gifted. And then when you hone in and zero in on your gift, what are you going to do about using it to serve one another? See, we don't want to just show up and act like cancer cells, do we? We don't want to just show up and consume. We want to show up and contribute. I am so encouraged with the trajectory of this church. I'm so encouraged with where this church is heading because of you. Because of how I've already seen some of you serving. The encouragement that it brings. I've told some of you, hey, you've been a real encouragement to me. And you look at me like I'm crazy sometimes. But trust me. Some of you have been asked to do some things that you don't necessarily agree with. But you've put yourself in a position to follow the lead in the direction of this church, therefore becoming a leader yourself. We want a church of people like that, especially as we just get started here in this Villas community sharing this good news. Verse 11 is really what it's all about. See, when you take all these gifts, you can put them into two basic categories. There's the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. And this is evidenced by what we see in the list of gifts from Romans and 1 Corinthians. We can use our spiritual giftedness to verbalize the good news of Jesus. We can use our spiritual giftedness to physically serve the good news of Jesus Christ to others. So as we move forward here at Villa's Grace, and we know that we want to be a church that wants to know, grow, and go. We want to know Him. We want to grow in Him. And we want to go with Him. As we move forward to be all about building relationships that make followers of Jesus, how are you going to use your spiritual gift to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done for sinful humanity, for what he has done for the sin of this world? How are you going to use your spiritual gift to serve one another? We're already in the last days. God has already accomplished all things pertaining to redemption. It's our job now to go share that truth with others. So, we need to remember, as we do that, that God is glorified in these last days when we lovingly serve one another. As we ask the question this morning, how can we serve in love? We know that we can serve in love by using our spe special spiritual gift or gifts graciously given. These are the gifts that He has given us in order to serve Him within His church in order to advance His kingdom. Heavenly Father, I pray for Villa's grace as we want to be a church about moving forward with the goal, another, doing nothing, another, nothing other than sharing the good news of salvation because of what Jesus has done for us. It is in His name that we can pray this prayer. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com, or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.
www.thepodcastnetwork.com.